Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to step into your power, find alignment, and create a life that you love using holistic methods, interviews with industry leaders, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host and health and wellness bestie, Amanda Chills, and I'm so proud of you for choosing to step into the root of your power. So, uh, family's from Southwest Pennsylvania. Um, mom and dad uh, met, uh, grew up up there, uh, met up there, got married, and then moved down to North Carolina. Uh, started a family. So there's myself, and I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Once the three of us were born, they wanted to move us back up to Pennsylvania to grow up around aunts, uncles, grandparents, all that stuff. And so they did. And so I was about five. And at that time, I told everybody up there once we got back to Pennsylvania that I was going to move back to North Carolina because I hated Pennsylvania. <laughs> so at five, I don't know what I based that on, um, just yeah. other than change, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm sure if I, you know, I have Estella, who's six, and I'm sure if we moved her somewhere, she'd feel the same. But um, anyway, so we moved up there, told everybody I was going to move back to, to North Carolina, and. Um, Fast forward, you went through high school, went to went to um, Washington Jefferson College in Washington and got a psychology degree. Um, yeah, uh, I started college with the intent of being a pediatrician. So you have very like pediatrician energy. <laughs> I can feel it. Yeah. Thanks. Um, because I, I loved our pediatrician. Um, I can still see his face. I can't remember his name. It's Mr. Doctor Stoker or Stalker or something like that. Um, but I remember it just being really positive and helping people. And, and so um, I wanted to be a pediatrician, um, got to college, um, got to college. And <laughs> uh, that, first, that first year, that freshman year of, of, of uh, Bio 101, Chem 105, like the school I went to, uh, WJ has a great pre-med program and it's great because they weed out people <laughs> really early. Yeah. Like really early. They're like, we're going to crush your soul yeah, early. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was pretty much it. So between that, um, me um, not 100% realizing what, uh, what, what it was going to take to become a doctor. Yeah. Um, and really having my first sense of freedom mm-hmm. that I exploited and just... <laughs> Um, I, I, I party, 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 uh, a lot. Like it was, so it was, it was, it was bad. It wasn't, I mean, it, it, I'm a cautionary tale when it comes to that. So, sure. um, and Estelle will hear that at some point, but, um, between that and, um, not really understanding like kind of the gravity of it, like how much money going to college costs and, you know, the, 
the privilege that I had to be there, mm-hmm. in, even at that school, um, especially at that school. Um, it just it was lost. It was completely lost on me. So I took it for granted. Um, but I finished. Um, I graduated. Um, I, my sophomore year, I changed between. At one point, I was a, 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 a literature major. At one point, I was a sociology major. At one point, I was a philosophy major. At one point, I was um, I was one of those uh, undeclared. Mm-hmm. And then uh, um, psychology just kind of kind of spoke to me. I really I enjoyed it. Um, it was the, those are the classes that I got the most into, and that I'd have those kind of conversations with with other students and the teachers and professors. So I stuck with that and wasn't really sure what I was going to do with it. And my senior year, I did an internship with a intensive after school, like an emotional, emotion, emotionally intensive after school program. So these are kids that would go to school and then afterwards they would come and hang out and, and you know, work on how to express their feelings and how to control their feelings yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And that's, um, it was a great, awesome. it was a great experience. Um, I, I, um, I really, I, I enjoyed it and I enjoyed it so much that I thought maybe this is where I need, maybe this is what I need to do. And then there was a day at, uh, we took them to a swimming pool and, you know, I, I taught a kid how to doggy paddle from one side to the other and just, that experience of teaching, that was the moment I was like, I'm gonna be a teacher. And so uh, I went to Duquesne University in Pittsburgh and got my elementary degree master's. Um, and w- during that time it was, let's find a place to work. And so during that time when I was working uh, after college and, and going to Duquesne, um, I was working at an alternative high school where these were, it was teaching, I was teaching ninth and 10th grade. And so these were kids that essentially got kicked out of their schools mm-hmm. for fighting drugs, I mean, you name it. And so it was two streets down from where I lived. Um, they were looking for a teacher assistant. I was like, great, get some experience while I'm going to school for this. And uh, it was a much bigger experience than, than I anticipated, yeah. right? Cause I'm, That's like trial by fire oh yeah. all day long. <laughs> all day long. Because those kids are so hardened yep. by life, yep. and they smell disingenu- dis- disingenuity, yep. disingenuineness, like 10 miles away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they smell new teachers 10 miles away. <laughs> oh, yeah, they... <laughs> Definitely they, trial by fire. They had a... I mean, they, they had an... They almost had a, an SOP for new teachers and like the students, like how we're gonna run them through the ringer and yeah. see if they stick, or see if they're tough enough to stick around. <laughs> right. See if they care enough to stick around. Uh-huh. See if they're dumb enough to stick around. Um, <laughs> so, we'll just see persistent enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they, uh, so I, I went to teach there. I mean, I was, I mean you know, um, that wasn't a world that you know I grew up around. I mean, we grew up in the we grew up in the country, like Randolph County. Like when you get out to like. You know, certain parts of Randolph County, like when you're heading out towards like Randall Manor, Siler City, or any of those places, like that's that's the kind of place that I grew mm-hmm. up in. Um, so we grew up in the country. My high school class was 112 people, maybe, and um, it was mostly white. Um, but it, you know, so walking into this alternative high school where it was mostly mostly black, most mm-hmm. people that don't look like me, most people that didn't come from experiences that I came from, and and it and it all came down to that being genuine. Like it didn't matter where you came from, didn't matter where I came from. I'm just here to try to make your day a little bit yeah. better. And so learned a lot. Um, 
there's those, those kinds of stories where you know the, the, the kids would come in and you know they on you know, some mornings they'd come in and they were just ready to rip and tear and go crazy and, and cra- you go crazy is the wrong word they were ready to rip and tear and release just release yeah yeah, yeah. and because there was you know there, there was one morning a girl came in and she came in and she was just I mean from the moment she walked through the door she was just going after everybody just in every way that she could you know and and not necessarily not physically but just emotionally and verbally yeah. as, as much as she could and so um there was a lot of people in that school that got it like they mm-hmm. don't go after her if something happened and, yeah you know and you can you get it to the kid get somebody who's in that mindset to the point of being able to verbalize what happened prior mm-hmm. instead of why do you feel that way and you know, and she breaks down and shares that she was up all night because her mom wasn't home and she didn't know where her mom was and mom came home about a half hour before she had to go to school so she was up all night mom came into the house with a guy she didn't know and mom's you know, intoxicated in some way or form and and she has to go to school because if she doesn't go to school the school has to report that to the court mm-hmm. and if she doesn't and if she doesn't show up for school, yep. she ends up in juvie. Mm-hmm. She and ends up in juvie, and probably her mom ends up in jail. Right. Which is yeah. And so she left. An interesting thing that our court system does. Right. And so she left, and she she left home because she had to. Worried about her. Worried about her mom all night. Worried about her mom now. Right. Not knowing who this guy is. And you know what's a what's a thirteen year old right. kid who's been through, who's been through the ringer herself. What's she gonna do? process those feelings in a way that's going to try to release it and so you know that was that was one thing you know stepping back and you know being able to understand how to talk to people about those kinds of things mm-hmm. and then you know there was one one guy who he was he had a number of drug charges and one day he and I were sitting at lunch and I, said, you know, I asked him you know, why do you do this like why do you yeah. continue to do this and he said it's real easy he goes um um my mom gets her checks. Mm-hmm. My mom takes her checks and she spends them on stuff for herself. I have a little brother, a little sister, mm-hmm. and there's no food in the house. And it's and he's essentially I gotta be I'm the one who's gotta take care of him. He's an entrepreneur. Right. Right. And he and I said, well, get, and a, get, a, get, get a job at McDonald's and he was like much. and what well, he doesn't pay as much mm-hmm. and he said he said, Yeah, that would be he goes, That would be easy if when I because he was he was seventeen. And he's like, if at 12, I hadn't gotten in trouble because I stole something, right. and now I have a record. Right. And so I can't just go work at McDonald's, but I need to take care of my brother and sister. And, you know, the, the, the system says they're helping me because they're sending money to my mom. Right. And she's doing enough to say that she's doing stuff, but, you know, the clothes right. on her backs, it's, it's, right. not, it's, not turning, it's not turning into macaroni and cheese on my table. Right. You know, so... I had to make a choice. Mm-hmm. If I want to take care of my brother and sister, this is what I can do, yeah. and I can. And, and he looked at me. He's like, "And I'm damn good at it." <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. um, so I I used to work with yeah. uh, my first job out of college was working with really high risk families. Mm-hmm. And when you're exposed to that world, it radicalizes you because you start seeing. So I grew up similar, like very privileged. Mostly white high school, lived in like a, we were privileged growing up. And so working within that system, you don't know because it's so different. And 
so when you work with kids and you really start seeing, because a lot of the rhetoric that you grow up with in America is like, it's you and you're in charge of your destiny and you can change anything. And that's like, okay, yeah, to a certain point, but but doing that to the point where it's systemic, like a lot of people really don't understand if they haven't grown up in it or they haven't been exposed to it, what systemic poverty racism, sexism, what it does to people and how they have to make choices to survive and then we shame those individuals for surviving. So I didn't actually know all that about you. So that's, I really want to (laughs) dig into that more because I I think a lot of people don't understand and I want to educate people. So if you don't work in a school system or in a healthcare system at all, that's a totally different conversation. But if you're not doing it in a low income, high poverty, high crime area like you really don't understand the nuances of why people do things so like I worked with a 17 year old who one of my was my first case um did not give a damn about me his was so so disadvantaged by the system like 100% was never going to succeed no matter what he did because of multiple reasons and it was really eye-opening and you really start having a lot of empathy so yeah. so it starts training you to have empathy where that's a thing I think a lot of people struggle with right now is they they see it very black and white well if you wanted to change your circumstances you would or if you wanted to get out of it you would and it's like yeah but some people have a staircase and some people have right. 10,000 pound lead boots on and so it's completely different when you right. do those things so yeah so keep going yeah. Just, <laughs> well keep you know going. in, in, in that, to that to that point of when once you're quote unquote in the system, um, you know things like when, uh, while we were growing up, um, and we we I mean we weren't I can say we were not dirt poor but we were poor mm-hmm. um, and we you know we were on we were on welfare at one point and you know, the uh, food stamps and free and reduced lunch and I mean that was that was us like middle school through high school yeah right and um, and and that's where people are like well well look you got you you were there you were you did it mm-hmm. and look at you now like so different right I yes you're right that we were there and we weren't and then and then then we weren't and there's amongst that there was a lot of other stuff. There right. was. There's so many there variables were, people don't see. Right, and so there was, there was where we, there was where we grew up. Again, wasn't an affluent area. I mean, it's just like anywhere else. You had the the, the haves, the have sums, and the have nots. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of have sums, and there was a few have, have, uh, have, have lots. <laughs> yeah, the have <laughs> you know, And then there was, and then there was some with the the have nots. Mm-hmm. And so just that that a majority of where we were were in the have some area. Like that alone already puts me a step ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got, you know, my mom and dad are, they're still, you know, they're still married. They were still together. I'm a step ahead. Yeah. You know, the color of my skin, I'm a step ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm a guy, I'm a step ahead. Mm-hmm. So that's not lost on me, but it's e- it, it is easy for, it is easy for some people to be able to narrow it down to one thing and say, well, look, right. and it's like, no, there's, there's so much more, right. so much more to it. I think people don't understand intersectionality, which yep. is where, for people that don't know, it's where multiple identities exist. So, like, you're a man, you're white, you're from this area, you have this level of education. Yep. And a really interesting, um, for anyone that's interested in just digging into it, there, Google it, right? Intersectionality. There's a ton of articles and books on it. 
But a really interesting um, exercise to figure out kind of where you exist on that is to list all the ways in which you are oppressed and then list all the ways into which you are the oppressor. Right. So for example, for me as a woman, like I'm a woman, so patriarchy exists, I'm oppressed, but I have a master's degree. Right. But I grew up with a family who has money. Um, all of those things, like I didn't, I didn't have to pay for college because my parents paid for it. That's a way in which I'm an oppressor and it really, for anyone interested in doing that, that's a really good exercise to yeah. be like, oh, I'm both. Yeah. And have have yeah. you seen the? Have you seen the? It kind of went viral, uh, maybe a year or two ago. But they've got, you know, they've got uh, they've got a bunch of teenagers lined up, and it's you know, it's 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 guys and gals and black and white. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the guys, and they do the groups. He's like, I've got a hundred dollar bill. I've got a hundred dollar. Oh, no. no, okay. So <laughs> it, it, I, I, I don't know the name of it, but the facilitator you know, I don't know if it's a, you know what kind of a camp or group or whatever it is they don't ever say that but he's like I got a hundred dollar bill and um, the first person who gets to me gets this hundred dollar bill so line up and here's how we're gonna start every time I say something that applies to you take a step forward uh, okay. okay so he says you know, I don't know first thing is like um, my my mom and dad are still married yeah and so you see a group of people take a step forward. Right. Um, what a great I've, visual. Yeah. And he's like, I've never, yeah, I've never had to worry about where my next meal is going to come from. And you see this group I don't take, have a felony. Right. And so right. it gets to this point where you know there's there's it's it's a it's a visual of the disparity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's some there are there are a few that never take a step forward. Yeah. And there's some that are literally you know up fifty feet away, away from yeah. yeah. And so he. And so he says, you know, look around, and you know, this is what, this is what, you know, this is what the world is like. Because those of you that are closest, like, you've been given a lot. Right. Like you're starting this close yeah. without even having to try, mm -hmm. because none of the things that I just said had anything to do with you, right. any choices that you made, mm -hmm. any, and it was, it's, uh, That's you know, powerful. yeah. And then he's like, you know, look around. Like some of these guys, some some of the people that are behind you, if this was an even playing field. Would whoop your ass. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, they you would wouldn't have a chance. Yeah. There's a reason I call people who deal entrepreneurs. Yeah. Like they figure out a hole in the market. Not saying deal, people like <laughs> don't don't at me and be like, my son's a drug my daughter's a drug dealer because you said so. No. But they figured out a hole in the market and they put a business in. So it's like when you break down skills, I think without shaming, it's so empowering. So that's just a side, but I think so many people are so resilient and the awareness of where like intersectionality hits and what it does. So like you, that's such a perfect segue because your business practices hit that so well, like so well. Like I don't know if you guys can, well, you can't see, but so he has a sign that says, hate has no home here. In the bathrooms, there are flyers for the local um, like family crisis oh, center yeah, yeah, yeah. if you are experiencing sexual assault and there's like no like an anti-trafficking mm -hmm. hotline that people right. can call. So like your business practices are so rooted in community and being, there's not the right word, but like equitable is maybe the right word. Can you talk about that? Cause a lot of business owners don't do that. They don't, they say like, well, when I have enough money, when I make this amount of money, then I'll do these things. Or when I'm this successful, then I'll do it. But you built it in from the beginning, yeah. which is awesome. So can you talk about that? Cause it is dope. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so 
when we were putting the company together um, and thinking about the kind of thinking about the kind of company that I would want to work for and the kind of company that I want to be a part of, the kind of um, the kind of thing that I could go home and be proud of creating. And that you know, I mean, we're we're a brewery. Like when we break it down to the, the bare basics, we make Andrew makes beer, and then we turn around and we sell that beer. Yeah. Which, and I've said this before, people, and I mean, I am a I'm a state and national uh, sanctioned drug dealer because alcohol is a drug. <laughs> so <laughs> that also is not lost on me. Um, but Entrepreneur, we, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then we're full so, circle. So, right. And so it was... So all know, those kids dealing can become pharmacists and make it legal. Like there you go. Um, so it was, uh, you know, realizing that we, we wanted to open up a brewery because there was, like, like, like you pointed out, you know, it's finding a hole in the market, looking at something that somebody's got skills in, something that they're good at, something that they enjoy, something that uh, you can make a living off of, you know, whether it's a side hustle or, you know, the, the main thing. And, and there was a lot of arrows that just kept pointing in the direction of like, do this. Mm-hmm. And so when people, sometimes people ask like, oh, yeah, when you were 12, did you own, dream about owning a brewery? Like, no, like I didn't think about owning a brewery <laughs> until I was, I mean, it was after Kristen and I were married. So that was, we were married in 2000, 2008. You better get it right. Yeah, we were, <laughs> no, we were married in 2008 because I was 30. And so it wasn't until we met Andrew and a couple years later. So, I mean, I was 33, 34. I think and you so, also have to have a well-tuned inner compass. Because the universe yeah. can throw signs all day. All day. But if you're not paying attention to them or if you're not tuned into them, yeah. and that's something I teach all the time is how to, like, pay attention to how you feel when you're making decisions. A lot of people don't know how to do that. Yeah. So, like, when you were like, well, I'm going to move back to North Carolina, but you were five, I said the same thing to my parents when I was eight. I'd never <laughs> been to this state until I moved here. Like, I had never set foot in the state until yeah. I started looking at properties, and everyone's like, why'd you move to North Carolina? And I'm like, listen, when the universe knocks, I just answer the door. I'm not just like, why are you knocking? I'm like, okay, thank you for whatever you're trying to give me, and I'm just gonna roll with yeah, it. Roll so with so you had a lot of signs pointing yeah. to it. And so, um, yeah, and the, laying out the, the principles of the, the three, tenants I guess is that as a as a business owner as a company the first people that we need to take care of is, is ourselves and not from not from the you know line our pockets let's get rich standpoint but um, from how we're gonna take care of our employees how we're gonna make sure that that it's a place that they want to work how we're gonna make sure that they feel heard how do we how to what kind of practices are we gonna have to make sure that the people that have supported us the whole way are, I feel like they've been taken care of and that they've been heard and that they, they have it hasn't been lost that we didn't do this on our own yeah also uh, side note you have one of the best loyalty programs oh, I have ever <laughs> seen I talk to David about it all the time and I'm like that is the smartest thing I have ever seen so like we'll get to that after because your loyalty <laughs> programs are just freaking dang so so you prioritize no. taking care of the people who invest in you because when right. someone works for you they're investing in you right the, and the mentality there is if, if if i take care of them and do my best to uh to affect the things that i control can control here that affect them mm-hmm. then they'll be able to do their jobs better and let me use let me let me take that term better back they do their job job effectively 
and they can do their job efficiently. Yeah. Because you know, first the first part is be able to do the job, mm -hmm. and as you do the job and you do it multiple times, you will get faster at it, and it's and efficiency is not well, necessarily about quicker. Right. Yeah. yeah, and that's it's better. I, that's where I sometimes for me the the word I don't, I'm not sure the word better just seems I don't know broader. I don't know. I don't. Know, I don't. Know. Say a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so, um, so yeah, if I if I take care of them, then it hopefully will up their effectiveness and up their efficiency in the job, and they feel successful because if they're feeling successful in their job, then it's something that is a little bit easier to come to. It's a little bit easier to deal with change when it happens because the change happens, but I know what to do. And so taking care of our customer, taking care of our employees then turns around to taking care of our customers. And if we're able to take care of our customers and they, it's a place where they feel safe, it's a place where they enjoy, it's a place where they feel welcome, um, then that turns into our ability to then take care of the community. Because <clears throat> without, without taking care of our employees and without taking care of our customers, I can't, I can't necessarily turn around and say, Family Crisis Center, what, what can we do for you? Right. You know, and the reality is, is that you know the, those those organizations and, and those five hundred one Cs and you know, the other other certain businesses, they're doing things that are grander. They're doing things that have a larger effect on mm -hmm. people's lives. They're they're changing lives. They're protecting people. They're they're yeah. taking people to the next step. And we make beer, <laughs> so you know to be able to to show support. Um, for the community in the ways that, that we have, and, and there's a million other ways I wish that we could. You know, it's how we take this thing that we do that is not necessary, people enjoy it, and then turn it into turn it into something, some kind of a service, some kind of a time or donation to people that are on the daily changing lives. Yeah, and so. That was always the plan: is, is take care. Let's take care of the people that are here that have chose chosen to be with us. Let's take care of the people that have chosen to support the business, and then let's take care of the people that choose to do good in the world. Yeah. And so um, that's what we choose. To do. Yeah. I think that's a really good um, evaluation of your strength too, because if your strength is to to run a business, and y'all, Joel has like just a really good. <laughs> Some people have it. I don't. He does. It's phenomenal. Um, when you have, when you realize where your like zone of genius is, and your zone of genius is creating a community and building a business, and when you stay in that zone, then you allow other people to operate in their zone of genius, and then you can support them right. in the way that you're talking about. Because a lot of those organizations, like yeah, they need volunteers, but they also need money. <laughs> so. If you're not taking care of you and your employees and your customers, you don't have money, and so then right. you can't support these things. Right. So it's all and that's very a, and that, you know, and that's you know, some I've I've had some people who say it seems like you guys give away a lot, it's, and you know, we do, and the typically the follow up to that is well, you don't tell everybody about it, right. and like we don't, and yeah. you know, I've had our I've I've had our CPA and our bookkeeper. Uh, I mean, multiple times. Like, if people knew half the stuff you guys did, they would be in awe. And it's like, well, we don't do it for that reason. Yeah. You know, it's the people who the people who the people who know 
of, and yeah. we don't need to, it, we're not doing it for the purpose of marketing. It's like people who <coughs> help um, someone who's homeless, but then they film it. Yeah. Like, yeah, why are you, just give just the damn it. people the money? <laughs> like, it. I understand, you know, as a business, like, I own a business, so there's something to be said for volunteering with your yeah. company shirt on. Sure, absolutely. Or making a donation and, and putting it on your website and saying, we support, yeah, we give 10% of proceeds to these nonprofits, we support them in the community. But if, yeah, you're right, if you're only doing it for filming, like, it's, we, yeah, I mean, we, it's, we let we let people know. Like we used to do, and, and it stopped. Pardon me, it stopped with. I mean, it stopped with the pandemic. Um, it's something that we have been looking at starting up again, trying to figure out how to do it better. But we we had a, a program for a year and a half, almost two years, called Saintly Sundays, where every month, ten uh, percent of sales went to. Uh, different organizations. So you know, there's the Boys and Girls Club. There was um, the American Cancer Society with their. Um, I'm gonna, it, it's basically like a like a cancer house. It's you know a place for families to go and stay while fam other family members are in, in the hospital. Um, I don't know the proper term for it, so I don't mean any offense calling it, but I just call it. Um, but the, I mean uh, in, uh, the Arboretum Project here in the city. Uh, there's so there's a there's a lot of things. So once a month we did something, mm -hmm. and you know, people knew about it. I mean, some people came in explicitly to support it, um, and we did that um, because it was a small way to be able to say, here's a guarantee, here's what's coming. We just yeah. did the Red Wolf, Red Wolf beer for the the Red Wolf conservation efforts, um, and so there there are times where there are times to trumpet what you're doing, and there yeah. are times to just say, this is just the right thing. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a matter of everybody needing to know. And it's just doing the right thing. And so um, sometimes I think that the idea of doing uh, virtue marketing is a. It has its place. <laughs> yeah. But it shouldn't be your whole marketing campaign. No. So, yeah. but that, and so, I mean, that, that was it. We wanted to be able to create a place where people were taken care of on both sides of the bar, both sides of the glass. And to be able to then turn around and support our community, because this is this is home. And you know, I've got you know a, a six-year-old, she'll be seven in March, you know, mm -hmm. little girl, and this is where she's growing up. You know, so the idea of being able to looking at it from that um, very selfish aspect, of going, I, we're doing this in Asheboro because we appreciate what it what it is. We appreciate where it can go. And this is where she's going to be, and this is where she's going to grow up. And if we can, in some way, help make it a better place mm -hmm. that she's going to grow up in, then why don't we do that? And um, and in that, you know, if we're doing that for, you know, doing those kinds of things with that mentality, then it's those are the kinds of things that hopefully are going to affect a larger, a larger group of people in, in certain subsets and certain areas at certain times. And it's just. Creating that community feel that you know, big obviously big business is not looking out for the looking out for the small communities. The number of number of the large businesses that and you know, national multinational businesses that are around here in Randolph County, the number of them that have pulled back on their charitable giving mm -hmm. because they don't have to anymore. Right. Right. Um, it, 
if you talk to a lot of these a lot of these 501Cs and these charitable organizations, these people that are doing good, most of their donations are coming from individuals or for small businesses, not the big guys who could right. literally hand them a check for $25,000. Right. And it would be? A, not even a blip on the radar. Nothing. It would be nothing. Right. And so, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to, if we want a community that's going to be strong, it comes, it comes from the people and, and the small businesses that make up that community. You know, and so that's what we got to do. It's uh, we we have to support our community if we want it to be solid, and we want it to grow, and we want it to become strong. And uh, and the hope in that is that if we do it, somebody else goes. Well, if they can, I can. Yeah. Well, if they build and, it into their business plan, then I can build it into mine. Right. And it doesn't. And it doesn't have to be twenty five thousand dollars. Right. It could be four hours on a Saturday. At, at our daily bread soup kitchen with with yeah. Gene and those and and that and, and his people over there doing good for a community. It could be you know a hundred dollar check. That's what you, that's what you can do yeah. to anybody to the to the family crisis center. Then mm-hmm. do it. Like it's it's amazing what it can what it, it what it what it will do not only for the community but then when your customers realize that you're vested. Right. How that affects them, and then when your employees realize that you're vested, how? I mean, it all—it's just—it's it's like just a, a rising huge. tide lifts yeah. all boats, yeah. right? So for people that are maybe listening to this and they're like, "Well, I wanted to volunteer forever. I wanted to do that." Like, obviously the plan is to do it, yeah. but like, give people a framework. So do they just call and they're like, "Hey, I want to volunteer," or "Hey, I want to donate money." <laughs> yeah, I mean, just so I mean, people yeah. can't say they don't know what to do, right? Because I went, well, I don't know what to do. Okay, well, well, I, out, if, at, at that point, at that, at, if it's somebody who's not done a lot or has never done anything, the very first thing I'd say is um, you've got to know you got to know what your values are. You got to know where what's what's important to you. And so, like for us, we look at. Um, veterans organizations. Uh, we look at um, uh, organizations that the intention is to make people's daily life better. Um, we look at organizations that help orphans and foster children, uh, and uh, and there's other community level projects in there. But those three things and, fam- and families and families and children at risk as well. Um, so those are the things that we really kind of hone in on. It's not to say that um, you know, the, the, a dog rescue, a, a pet, a dog, an animal rescue isn't important. It doesn't have value. Right. Um, but but, if, but, if, I'm, but if I'm but if I'm weighing an animal <laughs> rescue versus uh, an organization that is helping orphan uh, orphan children or foster children, uh, and I've got a hundred dollars, and they're both asking for a hundred dollars, I can tell you from our standpoint, more likely it's going to go to the the orphans and the foster programs, um, and that's those are our values. Not everybody has them, and then there's businesses that the animals will win out. Mm-hmm. So be it. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's figuring out what's important to you, what your values are, and then finding the organizations that do that and do it well. Um, and at that point, before you give a dollar, you need to give you need to give an hour. Um, 
time is time is our most valuable resource because it's the only resource we have that we can't get back. Once you give that hour, it's gone. And that hour of doing whatever it is, whatever is asked of you, whatever is requested, as long as it's within your wheelhouse and you're comfortable with it and it's ethical and, and it's, it's good for them and it's good for you, then you go and do that. <coughs> Because that's going to have that that's going to have an impact on you. Because you're actually going to see what's going on. You're actually going to you're going to hear you know potentially hear conversations. You're going to interact with somebody with what your discretionary time how it affected them in a positive way, and they needed you there for that five minutes yeah. or for that hour. And so when you You've got to give your time first because that organization that you were about to give a dollar to and you spend an hour with them and realize, no, this, they're not really doing, they're not, they're, their mission is not what I thought it was. Yeah. The way they're doing things is not the way. It's a that, good way to figure out what they actually do in the community. Right. And yeah. then, then that impact on you to come back and go, wow. And to think about it, and to think about the things that you saw, the things you heard, the things you experienced, the things that you did, and hopefully then be able to, to then look up and look around you and go, oh, this is where I am. Yeah. I had a free hour to go do this thing, mm -hmm. and now I don't have to deal with it again if I never want to. Yeah. But the people that you're doing that for, whether it, you know, if, and I'm at her, yeah, those people, say people in need, for example. The people they're supporting. They're, yeah, the people they're supporting, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Like, they don't have a choice. Right. They're there. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's that's their reality. Um, so one, to, that helps with a, a level of creating, a level of gratitude in yourself for where you are. It helps create a level of understanding, because we can sympathize all day, but to actually, and, and, and empathy is another level of it, but to, to get to an understanding is way deeper and at that point you make that decision of do I want to go ahead and give that dollar the hope is that you go I want to give that dollar and I want to give another hour yeah I want to add I want to go back and I want to ask that question you have me do this give me something more mm -hmm. and so to create that mindset of that servant's heart that service mindset of I've got the time, I have the resources, how can I help? Mm -hmm. Because what you're doing is greater than, yeah, and it's more than, and it's about making a genuine difference in the world, I wanna be a part of that. And you know, we, at that point you can argue well, you're doing it so it makes yourself feel good, and, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> at that cares? point, the end if result it's, people right, get help, who right. cares? If, if the ends justify the means, in this, in this standpoint, if you're helping a family get back on their feet, mm -hmm. and you get to walk away, and you feel good about yourself for doing it. Yeah. Who cares? Go for it. <laughs> like, Doesn't matter. Like that, you know that that's uh, it's part of it, and we should feel good about being able to help people. Well, we we're wired to. So yeah. I think a lot of people, um, specifically a lot of people I work with, mm, mental health impacts community. Yeah. And so a lot of people lose community because they're struggling. Absolutely. And to re one of the most powerful things that I see is when people reinvest in building a community and in cutting out toxic people from the community. Like get rid of get rid of the assholes, 
but then reinvest yep. in people who are supportive, who are doing good things. And something I find is a lot of, uh, this is going to sound really harsh, and I don't mean it to, but it is what it is. A lot of people just navel gaze all day long. They're like, my problems, and I'm struggling, and what about this? And I'm just like, I'm a therapist, but I swear to God, <laughs> the amount of times that people are obsessed with themselves and their problems, I'm just like, if you, if people hear nothing that I say, in therapy, one is like, your thoughts don't matter. Most of them aren't real. They're nonsense. Stop paying attention to them. Right. But the down the drain, the, rap, the like rabbit hole of suck thoughts that people get into, one of the best ways to like get away from those is to literally stop being so obsessed with yourself and your problems. And right. that's kind of like where you're speaking to is it gives you perspective and saying, oh, Oh, okay, my problems are not that bad, which in and of itself is helpful, but what's even more helpful is you literally just stop obsessing about yourself. And it's such a pattern that I see with people where they're like, my life and my life and my life and my life. And I'm just like, shut up about your life. Like, shut <laughs> up. Go deal with other people's lives right. and help them. If you're so busy, this is going to turn into a rant, but if you're so busy being focused on yourself and your own problems, yeah. all that does is grow. Mm -hmm. And so once you start being in the community and giving an hour, one hour can change your whole perspective. You've seen it because you do it and you get it. And it's something I see all the time where people are like, well, I don't know what to do to feel better. And it's like, do literally anything else, but think about how much you hate your life all day. Count grains of sand. Who cares? <laughs> but even better, go help someone. Absolutely. Stop being so obsessed with yourself. And I don't know if it's like a uniquely American thing because we're such an individualistic culture. Yeah. I think that has something to do with it. But yes, like reinvesting in your community, whether it's a personal, the people around you community, yep. or literally your community is, it, it raises all shifts. Yep. And I, I mean, it really, I, I mean, at that point, if you, every, every organization that does anything anywhere has got a phone number, yeah, and all you had to do is call, <laughs> and probably a website, <laughs> and some, and, and some, and some of them, some of them rarely get phone calls, yeah. and you know they get checks all day long, and but they don't get a phone call, and somebody just saying, hey, I want to learn a little bit more, mm -hmm. how can I help? What can I do? If they don't need your help, if they don't need your time, yeah, they'll tell you, because right. there are organizations that is like, look, we've gone down that path, we tried it, right. And it didn't work right. for whatever reason. If you want to help, give us money. Send us, send us a check. <laughs> right. That'll be the best thing you can do. Well, because they also know where the best. It's like when people, um, a lot of people don't understand food pantries get discounts, like yeah. full wholesale discounts on food. So a lot of people will donate foods that aren't appropriate, where if they would donate money, they get the money goes, right. the dollar goes much farther than a right. dollar for them. So yeah, just that's really asking what you need. It's, it's, and maybe 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 the cynical part of me when I see um, like in food drives and I see people putting in boxes of cake, like Duncan Hine cake box cake mixes. Like, and I'm like bro, they need that's eggs not, and know, milk. That's not, that's, what are you doing? That's not that's not a, that is a food. It is a food. And it does it will and can bring joy. <laughs> but they but, need eggs and milk. But they need and eggs oil. and milk to do that. You know, do they have those essentials? And so right. so yeah so you know. When I see you know, when I when I see a food drive 
happening and there are no parameters around it. Mm-hmm. Like a list it's, of essentials. Like here's yeah. what here's what mm-hmm. AKA don't just go and clean out your cupboards and pull out the things that you have been sitting there for six months right. and you're like, Oh yeah, we don't need this anymore. Yeah. And throw it in there. Because when you put a can of black olives in there, like what are they gonna do with that? <laughs> you cleaned out your you cleaned out your closet. Right. Right? And so or your cupboard, I'm sorry. So it, well, unless it, you keep canned food in the closet. I don't. <laughs> I don't either. Does. I don't know. Um, but it, it, and so, yeah, so it, it's, it, reach out. It's a website or a phone, uh, phone number. Um, give them a call and ask and say, what kind of support do you need? What can I do? And they'll, and, and they will tell you. And in, in using that, using the terminology, what, what kind of help do you need? That sometimes, um, depending on who's hearing that, they hear that in a negative way or they, you know, help is such a broad term. That's on them though, honestly. Then, like but, if you're but, trying to support and they get mad, it's like No, 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 I'm not okay. saying they get mad, but <laughs> oh, okay. when you say when you say when you say how can I help? Mm-hmm. To me, to me the stronger way of putting that, the clearer language is how can I support you? Yeah. And so um, asking them that, then it, you know, it could be at that point they might say Oh, we just put something up on Facebook. If you could just reshare it, that would be awesome. Yeah. You know, because uh, or uh, we got a couple flyers. If you could just get those, and, you know, a local business, see if they'll put them in their in their place. Or you know, we need a hundred bucks right now. Like we need a hundred bucks to be able to do this thing. Can you? They'll tell you. Or you know, we're doing a we're we're doing some kind of a, an event. We need we need bodies there. Mm-hmm. If you can show up with two people, it would be immensely helpful. Yeah. And so asking how I can support, I think, is a more powerful and a stronger way than saying, how can I help? Yeah. Um, and I think it, it clarifies um, your purpose. Does that make sense? It, it clarifies that your role is literally a supportive role. Right. And not like the main kahuna. Right. Because, <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's where, and again, it's, it's, it's how things are heard, how things are taken. Sometimes when, in my experience, when saying, how can I help you? Somebody goes, I don't need help, I got this. Right. Cool. It's like, I know you got this. Yeah, I, I know you do. I'm just, I want to, I just want to be there for you. Yeah. And so, you know, changing that language to, all right, cool. How can I support you in what you're doing? It's, it is different, It, it yeah. opens up people to go, oh, well, I already know I'm doing this, this, and this. If you could just be around later so I can give you a call just to double check things. Cool. I can yeah. do that. Because as even with our employees, like I, I do my best to avoid that. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. Because sometime and and it's how, you know, whatever experiences they had in the past, if you admit that you need help, mm-hmm. then you are you are a failure or you yeah. never knew what you needed to do in the first place or you're admitting some kind of a weakness. Mm-hmm. But how can I support you? This says, oh, you're here for me. Yeah. So, anyways. So. No, that's a good explanation. I, I like that. You know you've done something good when the interviewer has to stop and think about what you just said. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, like, normally I'm really good and I have the next question. But, like, so here's the funny way that I prepare for interviews. I don't. Yeah. Because uh, my brain doesn't work that way. So, like, I've asked some people to interview, and they're like, would well, you have questions beforehand? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I'm never going to give you questions beforehand. 
No, that's just not how my brain works. So I have to think on the fly. It's all right. I get that. It's you let the let the conversation take its course. Yeah, that's what I find is a lot more valuable. Like sometimes there's points that people want to hit. Like I'm interviewing um, a woman later today who is a poet, mm-hmm. which is so obviously we're going to talk about that. And like course, she, yeah. um, her like health struggles. So like clearly we're going to hit those. But within that, like I'm just someone who operates in much more of a framework. So I'm like I need like a frame, a structure, and then right. I need to like. The way that I explained it to someone the other day was like, I need a pool and I need like rocks that don't move. So I make sure I hit the rocks, but everything else is jello. Right. And I can just like put things, my brain is weird, but I can just put things where I need it. So yeah, plus we're at like 50 minutes right now, which is yeah. about the time that we finished. So, oh. <laughs> so we hit it anyway. Yeah. Yay us, <laughs> we are awesome. Agreed. Yeah. What do you want to leave people with? Huh. Uh, Right now, in the moment, in the present, uh, the the biggest thing I can say is um, going back to that support, um, supporting local. Um, The next next couple months is going to be a struggle for a lot of a lot of small businesses. Just it it is. Um, So uh, any way that you can show support to your to your local businesses, your small businesses, the 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 people in your community that. are doing good and you want to see uh, make it to the other side of, of this whole mess that we're in uh, support them support them that's about that's, that's support it. your community support your community yeah. Su- support local is, is is more significant now than ever you know we got our you know, you know you see those numbers all the time with all these huge macro businesses that have you know doubled their wealth mm-hmm. over the past they doubled their wealth yeah over the past year and but you know, we're, and, and we're, and we're <laughs> so I don't have enough I don't have enough beer in front of that's me a whole that different, that's a whole different interview yeah, that's, that's an interview I don't think yeah so they're doubling their wealth and yeah. small businesses are, are closing forever right right and so in and so in that aspect that's that's it it's, it's support local and and you can take that into so many ways it's not just supporting your your businesses but your your neighbors you know with the idea of, of being a neighbor um, is so different now than what it was you know when we were growing up you know I, I think about when we growing up and you know we lived on a street in the country or I say street we lived on a road <laughs> and in the country and every neighbor was at least two to five tenths of a mile away you know but we knew all the names we had all the phone numbers yeah um, our parents were fine with letting us just. Our parents were fine with letting us just go anywhere and do anything. Not because they knew the neighbors would call us on anything, but they knew that if we got if something happened, that we could go to the house that's five down, five mm-hmm. five houses down, nearly a mile away, because we knew who they were. Yeah. We knew their name. We didn't hang out with them. We knew their name. We knew their phone number. We knew they were decent people. Mm-hmm. And so if something happened. We, as a kid, could go there, yeah, and be taken care of, mm-hmm. right? So, um, supporting local is, is is not just yeah, not just about businesses. It's about it's about the people that are around you, your friends, your family, your neighbors, um, the people that the the people that you're eating dinner with at home. It's um, everybody's in a, in a in a an odd mindset right now, whether they want to admit it or not, mm-hmm. and. Um, Unless you ask, there's very few people that are just going to tell you. 
and we have the perfect question. How can I support you? <laughs> that's it. And yeah. it, that's it. it and it will resonate. It will resonate. It'll resonate with your significant other. It'll resonate with your parents. It'll resonate with mm-hmm. your kids. Everybody. Yeah. Just how can I be there for you? Mm-hmm. And we. I think there's a lot of times that we assume that everybody knows that you are. Ah, yeah, something I run into all the time is people say, I shouldn't have to ask. And I'm just like, okay, well then die sad. (laughs) What is, (laughs) here's a window into how I am as a therapist. I'm literally like, die sad then. Like, what is your other option? You just die pissed off that nobody helps you? That's so, it's so ingrained in people. But one of, part of my job is to call out nonsense. And that is, I shouldn't have to ask. Okay, well then, die sad about it. Like, but no one's gonna help you, and then you're screwed anyway. So, ask, guys. Ask if you need help, and then ask how you can support other people. Use your words. Use your words. People don't. It's like, oh man, the simple things that I teach that people, like, just don't know. And I'm just like, oh, your life is gonna get so much easier. So much easier. So how do people find four saints? Ah, great question. Um, at the end of the rainbow. Uh, no. um, uh, we have a website, foursaintsbrewing.com, uh, F-O-U-R, saints brewing, all together, one word, uh, .com. Um, everything's on there, our, our hours, uh, our beers that, that are on tap, our merchandise, um, our short story. Uh, it's all, that, that's be the easiest place. And then it's got... Yeah, that can lead up to Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Uh, oh, y'all, their Instagram is very cool. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, at Four Saints Brewing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it, keep it all about the same as you can. That would make sense. <laughs> yeah. Let's do less work, more efficiently. Yes. That's like, everyone I talk to when I talk about owning a business, I'm like, I want to work as little as possible and make a buttload of money. Like, that's what I want. I want to make as much money as possible in the least amount of time as possible. It's called efficient and effective. Yeah. <laughs> People just look at me like I have three heads when I say that. And they're like, you want to work less? And I'm like, are you yeah. joking? Do you want to work more? No. Owning a business, anybody that owns a business with the, with the idea that it's solely about making money <laughs> will never will never be satisfied. No. But if no. you start, if, you, if you're at a, I guess you could say life as well, just life in general. If, yeah. you, put, if you put your goal there as freedom. Mm, love that. Then instead of financial. Right. Then you'll find Because there's always content. ways to make more money. Yeah. You know, but sometimes it entails doing too much and it's like if I'm not enjoying my life and if I can't Right. Freedom, right. And freedom. Oh, what was I just gonna say when you said that? Brain fart. Anyway, it was probably brilliant, but whatever <laughs> we lost it now. But yeah, so freedom. Like you like, do these things. Yeah. To enjoy your life. Why else are we here? Not to enjoy our life and make other people's lives easier. That's just what I think. No, like, yeah, you're not yeah. having fun. Or are you still sorry for you? No. <laughs> like, yeah. please have more fun in your yeah. life. And when you, and when you start something, you, you, you do have to make sacrifices in the beginning. Oh, yeah. And, and the, with the long view that right. I'm doing this so that mm-hmm. I don't, there can be a random Friday that I go, I'm not going to go to work. Okay. Everything's being taken care of. Not because I don't appreciate what I have. Not because it's me being snobby about it. But it's because 
I want to go have lunch with my little girl at school and surprise her. Yeah. And I have the freedom to be able to do that yeah. without everything without everything falling apart. Mm-hmm. Or we want to take a weekend to just be. Yeah. And do stuff around the house. We just want to take care of right. the house. Take, do, or just stuff. like watch Bridgerton. Which, by the way, I, I have not. Oh I'm my god, it's so, I, so. According to social media, it's a thing. It's Jane Austen meets Gossip Girl, and I'm literally obsessed. It is yeah, so good. That's, I don't. Whatever. David watches it. I, I will. <laughs> I'm glad he David watches it. I'm like, David, let's watch it. He goes, if we must, but he watches it. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> he goes, if we must, and I'm just like. Uh, right. I get it. I get okay, it. but you love it. So, yeah. The goal is freedom. The goal is freedom. The goal is freedom. Whatever that looks like for you, because everyone right. is different. But Absolutely. lots of good nuggets. All right, yeah. Thank you, Thank you. Yeah, for coming on here and being so awesome. That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. You're beautiful. <laughs>